book of John, chapter number 12. John, chapter number 12. And while you're turning there, I want to give you a, an urgent prayer request uh, for one of our own, uh, Brother Thomas Prime, which many of you know, who's been battling a little, uh, some health problems lately, was taken by ambulance yesterday to Forest General and is in ICU right now and, um, and having a tough go of it. We'll just leave it at that right now. He's very weak, having a lot of problems there with his heart. Uh, Brother Edwards was with him all night last night, uh, him and Miss Sandy, and uh, just asking the Lord to give great grace and to intervene. Uh, I had an opportunity to spend about an hour with him yesterday, and he was kind of cutting up, sitting there in the bed, cutting up with us. And I says, Brother Prine, I says, you're in great spirits. He says, well, he said, this is beyond my control, and I just have to trust God for what his will is. And so you pray for Brother Prine this morning. He's one of our own. He would be here. He's been faithful to this church for many, many years. And we're going to pray that God would raise him up, pray for his dear wife and his daughters, uh, that God would be with them and give them grace as, uh, as he's battling this right now. He is an ICU, so he can't see a whole lot of visitors. So I assure you right now, they'd appreciate your prayers more than anything. If you're in John chapter 12, let's stand together. And we're going to pick up in verse number 23. John chapter 12, verse number 23. And I have some exciting news about the message this morning. I'll tell you what it is in just a moment. So I'll give you kind of a teaser to hang on there and be willing to pay attention. John chapter 12, look down to verse number 23. The Bible says, And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. For this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Now let's pray. And let's open our hearts to receive what God has for us today. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word and how quick and living and powerful it is. And we pray now that, Lord, as your word goes out, our hearts will be open to receive it. Father, there is no way that I can preach and meet the needs of everyone that is here. Lord, I do not even know the needs of everyone that is here, but I know that your grace is sufficient. And I pray that, Lord, you will speak to hearts well beyond the words spoken out of my mouth today. I pray that if there's one here today that isn't sure that if they died, they would go to heaven, that, Lord, you would show them their need for salvation. During the invitation time, they'd come and receive you. For those that are saved, Father, as a church body, as we seek to be engaged, help us, Father, to see how we may follow, Lord, in the footsteps of our Savior, and, Lord, be willing to give all that you desire of us to serve you. I pray that you're glorified today, and I pray that you'd be honored in all that we do in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to say real quickly before we get into the message, I appreciate those who filled in for me while I was away, Uh, Brother Breland for preaching and Brother AJ for uh, being willing to take care of part of the services on Wednesday night. Uh, We've been here about nine months now and uh, have spent a lot of time just observing our church and getting to know our church. And lately I've repeated the scripture in Proverbs where the Bible says that it's folly to answer a matter before you hear it. And As a pastor coming into a new church, particularly of this size, it's important that you spend some time getting to know the church and the direction of the church and finding the perfect will of God for the direction he would have us to go. And 
after a while, I, I was talking to my wife one morning. We hadn't got out of bed yet. And I said, well, the Lord's stirring my heart for the direction of our church and where he would have us to go as we prepared for the new year. And I says, I want to spend some time just getting alone uh, and refocusing and praying and, and preparing for the will of God. So I loaded my wife up on Monday and uh, we dropped Miley off with the grandparents and uh, we went away, got a hotel room and uh, we kind of moved our office to a hotel room. We took the computers and the printers and everything with us and just spent some wonderful time praying together and preparing for the will of God for Central Baptist Church. And I appreciate the men that were willing to stand in for us while we were away. And as we were there, we had a lot of time to just be quiet and to study and to prayerfully seek God's will for our church. And as I was praying about our theme, the direction for our church in the days ahead, I came to realize that in order for people to be engaged, to find their place, that's our theme for this year, to find their place in the work here at our church, that in order for people to be engaged, there's really two parts. And the first part is to show our people what God says we can do. The past few weeks, we've been looking at several accounts in Scripture, particularly in Exodus chapter 25, of how God desired to use his people in different capacities for his work. They would have a sanctuary and a place that he would dwell. And as exciting as it is to see what God wants to do, sometimes it is difficult for us to take that last step and commit to doing what God is calling us to do. That's where the second part of this comes in. The second part is helping our people to realize why we can't be engaged. You know, in Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul was doing this uh, with the church at Galatia. He says, you did run well, but who did hinder you? He says, there's, there's something that's keeping you uh, from being fully engaged in the will of God for the church that is there. And this morning, I believe more than anything, we know what God can do. I believe everyone here this morning at least believes in a, a small percentage of what God can do, but I believe and I hope most of us desire to see the great things that God could do. But oftentimes there's something that keeps us from taking that last step to committing to what God's calling us to do. And as Paul, I think we've got to figure out what is hindering us. Now we've been using the gears uh, often to describe the different parts that go into a church and the different pieces of the body. And the last few weeks, we've been preaching about how each and every one of us has something to give and something to offer to the work of God here at Central Baptist Church. Some of us have great talents and we have multiple talents. Some of us may have smaller talents that can only do one thing, but I believe if God has led you to be a part of Central Baptist Church, that God has given you something to give to the work that God desires to do here. And remember, we've, we looked at this on the opening day of our theme, God works through the body. But the problem we've mentioned over and over again is we're not giving God all that he needs to work with. God desires to work with us. And here's the problem. I don't believe this morning that our problem is that we don't know. Why? Because we read so many times in Scripture, God will let us know what he wants us to do. If you're here this morning and you're lost, God's going to let you know that you're lost. Isn't it wonderful? He doesn't overlook anybody. Even folks up there in the balcony, look, if you're lost in the balcony, God's going to let you know that you're lost and need to be saved. Then if you're saved, God's going to let you know what he desires of you to fulfill his will in this place. Isn't it wonderful? I don't have to flip a coin and decide what church to go to. I don't have to consult the magic eight ball. I honestly believe a lot of people find God's will that way. 
Let's just shake up the old magic eight ball and figure out what God wants us to do. No, God will let you know where he wants you to go to church. And then when he leads you to a church, he's going to let you know how you can contribute, what you can give, whether of your time, whether of your talents, whatever it is, giving of yourself to be a part of the will of God. So I don't believe this morning the problem is we don't know. If we don't know, it's because we're not listening. Because God speaks clearly. I told you the night that my wife got saved, I didn't preach on salvation. I preached on being a good Christian soldier. Had nothing to do with salvation. But that night, the Holy Spirit of God spoke to my wife's heart, and he told her she was lost. It was amazing. I didn't say anything about being lost, but the Holy Spirit spoke clearly to her. So if you don't know... What God desires you to do, we're either not listening or something stands between you and God that you can't hear him. So I don't think that's the problem. We don't know. The problem is also not that there's not an opportunity. I mean, look, we live in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Uh, If you look hard enough, you'll find people that need to know the Lord. And then you'll find people that know the Lord that maybe aren't walking with the Lord. You may even be one of those people, all right? So opportunity is everywhere. It's not that we don't know. It's not that there's not opportunity. There's plenty of opportunity here at our church. I got to visit with uh, Brother Brent and uh, Brother Heath and Miss Stacy's dad at the ball game the other night. And I told him, I said, I says, my goal is to, to, to take a little bit of the load off of these guys. They're overloaded. They got a lot going on. They, they wear a lot of different hats around here. And there's plenty to do. And just a few people that are doing a lot of the work. And there's plenty of opportunity. I assure you, if you're looking for something to do, I can get you plugged in. So it's not that we don't know. It's not that there is not opportunity, and I'll tell you this, it's not that there's not a desire either. To our credit, I am thankful for a church and a body of believers that are here who I genuinely believe desire to the will of God. I've had so many people come up to me earlier uh, in the year as we preached about our theme and talk about wanting to be plugged in and wanting to get involved and, hey, I want to find my place. I want to give what God has blessed me with, whether my time or my talents, to the will and to the work of God. So I honestly believe that it's not that we're lacking in desire. But here's the problem. Somewhere between desire and doing, we get lost. I mean, we get fired up. I talked to a lot of people uh, after we showed the video on Vision Sunday. People excited about doing what God, hey, I'm excited. I'm going to be a part of that, and I'm going to be a part of it in this year. And we have great intentions on being involved in the will and in the work of God. But somewhere between our desire and our doing, we get lost in there. I'll give you a good example and tell them myself. Here's the good news about the message. I only have one point today. Amen? Every message, as I was told years ago, ought to have a point, okay? So this message has a point, but it's only one. You ought to get excited about that, but I stretched two out the other day very long, but give you a quick story. Several years ago, uh, Miley got tall enough to ride the Tower of Terror at Disney World. It's one of the few rides that she had not ridden yet. It's the insane roller coaster, not roller coaster, elevator ride where you plummet and feel like you're going to die, and for some reason we've learned to like it. But I hated that ride. I hated it. My wife loved it. And I felt like a coward of a man because she would ride it and I would watch Miley. But then Miley got tall enough to ride it. I'm about to lose my excuse. And so Miley, I said, Miley, the only ride you haven't ridden is Tower of Terror. She says, I want to ride it. My heart sank because I didn't want to ride it. And finally, I said, all right, Miley, here's the ride. That's it. All right, there it is. We know what to do. And so we went and got in line. 
And we're walking through the line. As we get to the line, my heart is pounding. Ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. We get in the little room, and they play the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. For some reason, that just makes it even worse. And boom, boom, boom. My heart's racing. And I asked my lady, are you sure you're okay with this? She says, yes, sir. I'm like, talk on it, you know. And so they open the door, and we go through the little line and look down the way, and we see the, the death machine down the way. And my heart's racing. I said, Myler, are you sure, baby? Listen, you don't have to do this. Mom and dad are not going to make you do this. No, dad, I think I want to do it. I said, yeah, that's what I was afraid of. We get all the way up there, and the guy walks out. He's got the little hat on, and he says, please step over here in line. You know, he's getting all these scary thoughts. And finally, my daughter felt bad for her dad, I think. And she says, dad, I'm not sure if I want to do this. I said, no, look, I'm not going to make you do it. Look, but if you want to do it, I'm going to do it with you. No, dad, I'm not sure that I want to do this. I said, okay, okay. So right there at the doorstep, we decided to take the chicken way. I, I took a picture. As a matter of fact, I'll show you. This is me and Miley taking the express elevator. The express elevator might as well be called the chicken elevator because when you don't want to get on the one that goes crazy, you get on the chicken elevator. And right as I took the picture, this creepy guy walks out. So it made it even worse for us. But for those of you that are wondering, I love the ride now. But here was the deal. We had made plans on riding it. We had pumped ourselves up about it. We were stirred about it. And we went through the whole thing, got all the way up to the door, and we chickened out. All right? Now, here's what I believe we do as a church. We, we get excited about it, that God has given us something that we can give to the work of God, and our heart gets stirred, and we're decided that we're going to do it, that I'm going to give God what he gave me to be a part of his work, and we get all the way over to the edge. We're just about ready to commit to God. And then we step back. And we bail out on God, and we go back and we retreat to the comforts of our own contentment. Now, folks, if we are going to see God work through this body, we're going to have to be willing to not only go up to the edge, but trust God beyond ourselves to do through us what we can't do of ourselves. Now, here's what you remember from last week. You say, I see what you're doing. You give a really long, in, a really long introduction in one point. It's still a long message. Well, you figured it out. Remember... What we, what we are called to do is to give. Remember our first quarter of this year, we're looking at being engaged in giving. Remember, God's not going to invade your will. God's not going to come up and down each row and pry your gear out of your hand. He's not going to do that. It must be freely given. Remember last week, we looked at the people in Exodus, the Bible says, who had a heart that was what? Willing Willing, that means that I am willing and freely transferring what God has given me to be a part of his work. Now, here's the good news. The good news is this morning we have a pattern to follow. We have a pattern to follow. Sometimes when we get excited about it and we're like, I'm going to give God what he desires. Whatever God wants of me, whether he wants more of your time, more of yourself, more of your substance, whatever God requires, I'm going to give it to him. And we get all the way up to the edge. We're about to give it to God. And then we decide, you know what? I just can't let it go. I don't know about you, but I have a problem letting go. God stirs my heart and God says, I want you to give more of this, more of your time, more of your efforts, more of your hobbies. God says, I want you to give. Sometimes it's hard for me to let go. And folks, we've got to learn to let go. When God comes up and down each row and the Holy Spirit knocks on our heart's door and he shows us what he wants of us, we must be willing to give to God and not to hold on to what we could use and keep for ourselves. Now, here's the good news. We have a good pattern that pattern is Christ. If you'll turn back to your left just for a couple of pages, hold your spot. 
Right to your left in John chapter number 10, I want you to look down to verse number 18. John chapter 10, <clears throat> verse number 18. The Bible says this, Jesus speaking, no man taketh it from me. What is he speaking of? Well, if you look at verse 17, he's talking about his life. Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, no man's taking my life from me. Well, what does he say? He says, I lay it down of myself. Here's our Lord and our Savior. He's about to give us a pattern of how to lay down and to give to what God requires of us that we might fulfill our Father's will. And so here's what we're going to do over the next two to three weeks, if the Lord allows. The Lord might come back tomorrow. We don't have to worry about it. But if the Lord will allow, the next two to three weeks, we're going to stay in John chapter 12 on Sunday mornings. And we're going to look at just a few lessons on letting go. Christ is about to show us how to let go of the things that God requires of us. Now, folks, every one of us, look, if God has led you to this place, every one of us was led here to, be give, to give to God what he's blessed us with, our time or our talents, so that this body might function the way that God desires it. But here's what's going to happen. If we hold on to what God has blessed us with, we'll never see what only God could do. So this morning, we're going to look at one lesson, if we could. One lesson on letting go, and it's in verse number 23. The Bible says in verse 23, And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Now, you've got to understand the context of what's happening here. My wife in the ladies' Bible study was, the first lesson they looked at in the ladies' Bible study was how to study your Bible. And one of the things was learning to study the Word of God in context. Let's not just read a verse and plug that verse in according to how we feel. Let's look at the context of that verse. And when you read verse number 23, you'll find out that Jesus has just triumphantly entered into Jerusalem. The palms were laid down. If you look down in verse number 13, they took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. So here comes Christ, and he's riding into the city, and they're laying down palm branches before him. And they're singing Hosanna to him. Now I want you to think about this. For once in his life, Christ is being treated somewhat the way he should be treated. He's being treated with adoration. He's being treated with acceptance. He's being treated with the honor that he deserves. And as people in verse 17, 18, and 19 desire to come see him, the Bible says that in verse 23, Jesus' response to all of this was this. The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Now, I'll be honest with you. If people are singing my praises, and people are adoring me, and people are honoring me and respecting me, I'd be honest with you. I'd like to just sit there and soak that up for a minute, wouldn't you? I mean, how often, look, we might be honest and say, no, I'll cut it out, but come on, come on, come on. We, we really want to hear it, don't we? We love to hear praise. We love to hear adoration. But in this moment, this comfortable moment, we see Christ is not focused on the moment. In verse 23, in the midst of all that's going on, we see Jesus looking towards something in the future. The hours come that the Son of Man should be glorified. This morning, what we're seeing in verse number 23 is the first lesson to letting go is seeing past the emotion of the moment. Seeing past the emotions of the moment. Now, let me explain. As inviting as this moment was, they are giving Christ adoration. 
They are accepting him and they are honoring him. As much as this moment was inviting and a moment that maybe we would want to bask in and soak up for a moment, we see Christ refusing the moment to distract him from his mission. Notice in the midst of this scenario where the circumstances are very inviting and they're very comfortable. I mean, these people want to be around him and yet his focus, he's preoccupied. I kind of feel that if, if we were standing there, I'm going to give you my opinion, okay? If we're standing there, we were looking at Christ, you hear the people singing his praises and honoring him, and yet he has a distant look in his eye. He's preoccupied with something. What is it? It's not the moment. He's preoccupied with the mission of what he came to do. Now, folks, what he's doing is he's showing you and I how we can be engaged and the way that we'll become engaged and give God what he desires is see past the emotions of the moment and focus on the mission for what we're called to do. I wonder oftentimes why people won't get saved. I will go to their door and I will knock on their door and I'll tell them I'm from Central Baptist Church and uh, just stop in the body to see if you go to church anywhere. I'd like to invite you come meet our church family. We have a great church and we love to be a part of what God's doing at our church. And they'll say, well, I go here, I go there, I don't go anywhere. And I'll say, more importantly, can I ask you real quick before you go, before I go, if you died right now, are you sure you go to heaven? And some will say yes and some will say no. And I say, well, wouldn't you like to know? Wouldn't you like to know for sure that when you lay your head on your pillow at night that you're going to heaven? And I've had so many people look through the the crack of the door and say, no, not really. Close the door. I wonder myself, how how on earth could someone close the door not knowing for sure that they they died, they're going to heaven? I'll tell you, they're preoccupied with the moment. They're focused on the moment of this life and the way that they want things and the way that they like things and they're not looking past to realize that there's an eternity and every one of us will spend eternity in God's heaven or a devil's hell. But understand it's the same problem for saved people. So oftentimes, wonder why people won't get engaged. You wonder why God's people have such trouble letting go and being involved and getting involved and being engaged. The problem is simply this. We're preoccupied with the moment, and we've lost track of our mission and the things that matters. Give an example in Luke chapter 12. We read about the rich man, and the Bible says that he's going to tear down his barns and build bigger barns. He's going to eat, drink, and be merry and just live it up with all that he has. And what did God say about him? He says, thou fool. He says, this night that your soul will be required of you. He says, look, you can't be focused on the moment. You've got to look past the moment and the emotions of the moment and focus on what's going to matter. And all that will matter at the end of our life is whether we've trusted Christ as our Savior or not. That's all that will matter. We read often the Word of God, Acts chapter 26. We preach on it often. We quote it often that here's King Agrippa. Paul preaches his heart out to King Agrippa and shares the gospel with King Agrippa. And Paul's begging him to get saved. And he says, I know that you want to get saved. Why don't you get saved? And what did he say? Almost, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. What was wrong? Why wouldn't Agrippa accept Christ as his Savior? I'll tell you what the problem was. He was focused on the moment. He was the king. He was sitting on the throne. He had all the acclaim and all of the applause. And rather than look down the road to what was going to matter, he decided to just focus on the moment. And old Agrippa couldn't let go of the moment to take hold of what mattered. 
According to his testimony, he died and is burning in the devil's hell today. Can I tell you, folks, listen close. Can I tell you, if we don't learn to let go of some things, it's going to cost us. It's going to cost us. It costs the rich man his soul. It costs Agrippa, but after you're saved, I want you to know when the Holy Spirit of God knocks on your heart's door and lets you know what he desires of you, that, hey, I want you to be involved in this. I want you to be engaged in this. And we refuse to let go. It will cost us in the end. I told my wife last night, I said, I want to tell the story of the monkey and the coconut today. It's one of my favorite stories. You know, everybody has their favorite stories that they tell all the time. There was a village in Thailand that had an infestation of monkeys. And the monkeys were coming in and raiding the gardens and raiding the fruit trees. And they were actually stealing things from people's houses. And they were assaulting people, pulling things out of their hair and all kinds of things. And so they had had to figure out how to get rid of the monkeys. And so they realized that monkeys like peanuts. So here's what they did. They had coconuts that the, the monkeys would, you know, around the bottoms of the trees. And they drilled a hole in the coconuts about the size of a peanut. And they stuffed the coconuts full of peanuts, and the monkeys could smell them there. But the hole was big enough for the monkey to put his hand in. But when the monkey would grab hold of the peanut, he couldn't pull it out. Because his hand would fit in there, but he couldn't pull it out with the peanut. And so here's what would happen. When they would see the monkey over by the tree with his hand in the coconut trying to get the peanut out, they would go chase him down. And I hate to say it, they would bludgeon him, clobber him, and kill the monkey. Now here's the reason they were able to kill him. The monkey would not let go of the peanut. The monkey had his hand down in the coconut, and he wouldn't let go. So the monkey takes off running with a coconut stuck to his arm. The monkey got to the base of the tree to climb up the tree and found out he had a problem. The monkey couldn't climb the tree with the coconut on his hand. So the monkey had a decision to make. He had to decide whether or not he was going to climb the tree with two hands or stay on the ground with one hand and not let go of the peanut. Well, most of the time, the monkey would not let go of the peanut. The monkey died as a result of what he was not willing to let go. How often today, look in our church, How often today in our church, our churches are dying. You know why our churches are dying? Because God says, I want to use you here, and I want to use your talent for this, and I want you to give this, and I want you to give that, and we hold on to the peanut. Oh, no. I'm not giving God more of my time. I'm not giving God more of myself. I'm in good grief. I give God an hour on Sunday. What else could he want? Oh, can I tell you, the more you give God, the more he has to work with. But our problem is, man, we love those peanuts, don't we? We hold on to them. And this is what's costing our churches today the talent and the power that God so desperately desires to work with. So here's Christ. He's given us a lesson in how to let go. And in a moment where everything was going right, in a moment where everything was preferable, In a moment where he was being treated the way that he should have been treated, he's looking distantly at the hour that he's come to, and he says the Son of Man should be glorified. I gave this a name last night. We're going to call this the Demas disease, if we would, if we could. Second Timothy chapter 4, we see a man who, who had given God his life, Demas. He gave it to God, and he was serving God. He says, here's my life. And he was serving God with Paul. And he was busy doing the will of God. And next thing you know, he looked back at the world. And he thought, man, that looks fun. Man, you know what? Instead of giving my life, I think I'm going to go live my life. And so he goes and he takes his life back. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. 
I think a lot of us this morning, we suffer from the Demas disease. You say, what is that? We would rather live it than give it. We want to live our life and do what we want and spend our time and our talent and our resources doing what we desire rather than give it to God to do what only God could do with it. Folks, listen, we've got to learn to let go. The Holy Spirit of God burdens our heart about something. We've got to learn to let go. And Christ is showing us in the best of circumstances, he was focused on what really mattered, and that was the mission for which his father sent him. I'll be honest with you. This life can offer some very tempting moments, can it? This life can offer some peanuts that you want to hold on to. I think about how many times in my life I tried to make decisions about the will of God, and this stuff likes, right here likes to be comfortable. It wants to be comfortable. I, believe it or not, you say, you went into the wrong business. I do not like conflict. I don't. I wish everybody that I talked to agreed with me. Look, if you put onions on my hamburger, I'm just going to eat it. I'm not going to throw it back at you. I'm not even going to come back in the store. It's not me worth walking in a store for. I don't like conflict. I don't, listen, I don't like tension. But sometimes, listen, when, it's, when it comes to the will of God, it's going to cost us our feelings. Sometimes it's going to cost us our comfort in life. And Christ is showing us, I'm not focused on the moment. I'm focused on the mission. I'm focused on what matters. And Christ was fully engaged. And you and I, listen, if you're saved, have a home in heaven because of it. Aren't you glad Christ did not just focus on the moment? Say, so you know what? Instead of going to that cross, I think I'm just going to sit here and soak this up for a while. You know what that's called? That's called living in the moment. Living in the moment. This world can offer some attractive moments, but here's what we've got to do. If we're going to be engaged and fulfill the will of God, we've got to get to the place where we see beyond the moment to find what matters, and what matters is the will of God for our life. I'll give you a good example in Matthew chapter 4. Right after Christ was baptized, the Bible says he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to what? Be tempted. He had fasted 40 days. That just shows you how much of a coward the devil is. I mean, he's so scared of God, he waited until 40 days to tempt him. He don't even come out. He comes after me on day one. I mean, he ain't he worried about me. He waited 40 days to go after Christ. You remember what Satan tempted Christ with? As Christ is there, and the Bible says that Satan comes up and begins to tempt him, and he hasn't eaten in 40 days. And he says, look, if you're God, why don't you turn these stones into bread? What is he doing? He's tempting him. And in that moment, that weak moment when his body was weak from fasting for 40 days, he was trying to attack him with a moment. He was trying to get him to trade that, uh, what the work of the cross for a brief moment. And I'll tell you, if Christ had given in in that moment, you and I could not be saved. I'm glad he wasn't focused on his belly at that moment. We'd be doomed to hell. Then the Bible says that he takes him up, takes him up to the pinnacle of the temple. He says, why don't you cast yourself down because the angels will bear you up that you'll not dash your foot. The Bible tells him that he spoke back scripture once again. He didn't give in to the moment. Oh, how he would have been, look, if it would have been me, Oh, my pride would have swelled up on the inside. I said, oh, you want to make a bet? Watch this. But I'm glad Christ wasn't focused on the moment. Wasn't focused on his pride. Then he says, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. You know what the devil's doing? He's setting up all of these peanuts for Christ. 
Why don't you just forget the cross and forget looking down the road and forget the work that you could do? Why don't you just focus on the moment and how you feel and what you could do and what you could have? It is that not what he does to us today. Rather than focus on the will of God and eternity and standing before God, we focus on our stomach. We focus on our pride. We focus on what we could have. The same things that the devil tempted Christ with, he still tempts us with today. And sadly, many of us here today are still holding on to those peanuts. We can't move forward to fulfill and be engaged in the will of God because there's some things we just can't let go. First John tells us, chapter 2, the Bible says there's three things. Matter of fact, turn there with me. I want you to see this real quickly. We're on the last point, Okay. <laughs> Some of you will get that later on the way home and you'll send me a text and laugh. <laughs> I can give a funny joke every once in a while. First John chapter 2. The Bible says, I want you to look at something real quick. The Bible says in verse number 2, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also the sins of of the whole world. Can I tell you, that is not something that I would want to look forward to. I would not want to look forward to that end of the road. I'd rather just bask in the moment of the comfort that Christ saw beyond the moment that he would go and he would take our place. But watch closely. Look down to verse number 16. The Bible says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Can I tell you what the devil offered Jesus there in the wilderness? The lust of the flesh, some bread. The lust of the eyes, looking out at all of the kingdoms of the world. And the pride of life. What well, you said you could throw yourself down. They wouldn't, hey, go ahead and prove yourself. You see, the devil has been throwing those same peanuts at us, and we, we take hold every time. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, and we just can't let go. And there's no way we're going to be involved and fulfill the will of God that he has for us here at Central. So you asked this morning, how on earth, how on earth do you do that? Well, we follow the example of Moses, if you want to. In Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible says that Moses chose... To suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a what? Season. You know what a season is? It's a moment. Moses had all the trappings of Pharaoh and all the riches of Egypt. In that moment, Moses could have had it. The Bible says that Moses was preoccupied. The Bible says for a city who a builder and maker was God. Moses was not focused on the moment. He was focused on what mattered, and what mattered was eternity, being with his God. Now, how do we do that? I'll hurry. The way that Christ was able to look past the moment to find what mattered was simply is the fact that he knew that moments are just that. They're just moments. They're just moments. I want you to think about something interesting. The Bible says in verse, John chapter 12, verse number 13, we read it a while ago. The Bible says that as he came into Jerusalem, they took branches of palm tree, of palms, and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel. Can I tell you what Christ knew? 
Christ knew that the people that were lining the streets of Jerusalem and singing his praises would be some of the very same people who lined the road to Golgotha and would be crying crucify him. He knew that this was a moment that would pass. As much as it was enjoyable and as much as it was nice to be loved for a moment, he knew that it was brief. He knew that it wouldn't last. In just a few short days, many of the same voices that cried Hosanna would cry crucify him. Therefore, he looked past this moment. He says, this is not going to last. Right now, it feels good. And right now, it's comforting. And it's nice to be accepted. But it's not going to last. Before long, they'll turn on me and they'll cry, crucify me. So Christ is looking down the road to fulfill his Father's will. This is why James tells us in chapter 4 and verse 14, what is your life is but a what? A vapor. It appeareth, it's just here, it's just a cloud that we see just for a second. The Bible says for a little time. It's here for a little time. Can I encourage you this morning? You've got to look past this moment. I know it's nice to be accepted. I know it's nice to have a claim and to be involved in the world to just wrap their arms around you. But you must understand, it's just a limited time only. It's not like those promotions you see at stores and restaurants. For a limited time, and two years later, they're still doing it. You know, this life is but a vapor. Look, if you live to be 100, what was the actor, the Douglas guy that just died, 102, 103 years old? Even at 102, 103 years old, it was still a limited time. So number one, and the only point I want to give you this morning, is we've got to learn to see past the emotion of the moment. Because if you're not careful, you'll be just like all of us other humans. You'll get caught up in the moment. You're going to get caught up in the moment. Man, you're going to like how it feels to be accepted by the world and like how it feels to be involved in the world and all that it has, and you're going to get caught up in the moment. And I'll tell you this. You get caught up in the emotion of a moment, you can do some strange things. Just last year, in July of last year, a lady in Alabama was going down the road. Her husband was driving, and somebody cut him off. Somebody got him cut in front of him or something, and she had a road rage incident. She got caught up in the moment. All right, now I'm an impatient driver, but I'm not going to shoot at anybody. At least I haven't yet. She pulls out a gun, points it across the way, and shoots out the window at the other guy and hits her husband in the head. True story. Look it up. July of last year. Look it up now. True story. July of last year in Alabama. She shot her own husband in the head. Ask her how it happened. What were you thinking? You're shooting out of a moving vehicle. She's like, I got caught up in the moment. You'll do some strange things when you get caught up in the moment. I think you look at the church today, and you see the church doing some strange things that you're not going to find in this book. Can I tell you what the problem is? We're caught up in the moment. We want to be accepted by this world. We want to walk lockstep in this world. We want the world to put their arms around us. And that's what's wrong with the church. That's why we're not engaged. That's why we're not fulfilling the Father's will. Because we desire to focus on the moment rather than what matters. And what matters is doing what thus saith the Lord. If we cannot focus on what's next rather than what's now, Central Baptist Church is just a social club. That's all that we are. Now, folks, listen to me. We've got to see past the now. Yeah, it feels good to be accepted. Yeah, it feels good when the world wraps their arms around you. But understand, they'll turn on you just as fast as they did Christ. So I've got to hurry. I told you we'd stretch one out. You're going to pray for three again. I know you will. What happened to Moses when Moses was supposed to speak to the rock and he struck it? 
and the people just getting on his nerves. I mean, I, well, the first time I read where God told him he couldn't go into the promised land, I thought, that's kind of harsh. What happened? Moses got caught up in the moment. Did something that cost him going into the promised land. And I want to tell you, if our church cannot get beyond the moment and let go of what God wants, then we're never going to see what God's promised for us either. Folks, there's too many people in Scripture who God blessed with opportunity. And oh, how God has blessed us with opportunity. But we've got to see past this moment to what matters. And what matters is the will of God. So this morning, I'm going to, I'm going to end with this. This morning, God has something for all of us today. God has something for all of us. He's going to come up and down each row. He's going to speak to each heart. He's going to let you know what he wants. If you're lost, he wants you to be saved. So often he comes to us and he wants us to be saved. But here's what we do. We hold on to our religion. I, I can't do that. I, I've got my religion. If I, if I trust Christ, I have, no, 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 listen. You better be willing to give God what he wants this morning. Why? Because there is an eternity. And the only way is through the Lord Jesus Christ. That religion, listen, it'll get you just about as far as monopoly money. Try spending that. God says this morning, give me your religion. Give him your religion. He said, well, I got baptized one time. doesn't matter if you've been dunked 10 times up there. Listen, you better give him that because the only way that you're going to be saved is through the Lord Jesus Christ. You better give it up what he wants. Now, look, if you're saved this morning, and God's called you to be a part of this church. There's a place for you to get involved in God's purpose. And he's going to let you know what it is. All right? But he's not going to invade your will. He's not going to come and pry it out of your hands. You've got to choose to follow the example of Christ. Lay it down. Let it go. Let it go. This church this body of Christ could be used to shake Hattiesburg, Mississippi if everybody just was willing to say, okay, God, I'm going to let go. I know what you want from me. You've been burdened my heart. You let me, you let me know last year. You let me know before Brother Jeremiah even came. I know what you want. I'm going to let go. Number one this morning, if God's let you know that you're lost, why don't you let go of whatever you're holding on and trust Christ the only way if you're here this morning and you're saved, why don't you let go and give God what he wants because God can do so much more with it than you can. Let's have our heads bowed this morning and our eyes closed.